Oh, I'm, now I'm back. Because I forgot to do something very important. <laughs> Poor Scott sitting over there. What do I do now? Uh, our preacher for today, I am supposed to introduce. Um, so, Scott Burr and his family have been members here at the church. They, they were members, just like the Carols members, back in 1996. They left for about 10 years, and then they came back. So we're glad that they are back. They've been back with us for a while, of course. Um, if you don't know Scott too well, you might not know that for a year, in 2018, he preached weekly at a church in Beaverton, the Beaverton Church of the Brethren. He served as their preaching I don't know if he was actually called their pastor, but he preached every week at that church. So uh, he's got some experience, and he is coming to share with us today. Come on up, Scott. Thank you, Pastor Chuck. Thank you. It's great to be here with you this morning. I've never had applause stepping up to here, and I've never stood here on this stage without a guitar in front of me, so hang with me. (laughs) Today is an awesome day. Today is a great day. Today is a powerful day. Today is a magnificent day for every one of us because of one reason. God loves you, and God is pursuing you. Isn't that amazing to think? That our creator The one who made this grand earth who is responsible for so much has this passionate love for you and for me and he's seeking us and he's pursuing us relentlessly out of love because he has an intense and passionate love for us. He wants us to know his glory. He wants us to know his fame and he wants us to bring everything to him. Everything. All our problems, all of our fears, all of our joys. Everything we have, he wants us to bring to him. What a magnificent God. So we're in the second week of our prayer and care series. And last week, Ken brought us a really awesome message. And it was, the title of that was Get Used to Different. Get Used to Different. I love that start, right? It started with Jesus when he called Matthew and how one of the apostles was in in that depiction was saying, wait a minute, this guy's a tax collector. And Jesus said, well, I called you. And he says, that's different. And Jesus said, get used to different, right? And here's a premise today. We're really good at bringing God a lot of things. And we're particularly good at, at least I am, when there's a problem, I know the solution. I know the timing. I know everything God needs to do right? And I bring it. It's, it's right there, Lord. I need your help with this and change that person's mind and put money here. Then. And, and, and if there's one thing God teaches us, is that get used to different. Because I don't know how many of those things we've ever brought to God have come to fruition in the way that we brought them. Probably very few. I think on my list, it's about zero. But the way he does act, the way he does move, when he acts, how he acts, and how he does things is radically different. And here's the premise today. When we come to God with our problems, obviously we need something different. When we come to him with anything, we obviously are coming because we need something different. It's out of our control. We don't know what to do. And in that journey of getting to know him and learn his different 
when we embrace his different, it changes everything. It changes everything. When he takes us to a point where from our starting point and the departure of that to him and his glory and a realization of how he's going to do it or how he did it and how magnificent he is in that process, it changes everything. I want to step through the awesome word of God for instruction and encouragement and some really cool examples today. When I was praying and praying and praying, God, what would, what would you have for us? Um, there's just three prayers that just kept coming to mind. And I want to step through them today because each one is unique. Each one is powerful. Each one includes uh, this changes everything moment. And where we're going to wind up are the two this changes everything moments for us as children of God and as a church and in what he's calling us to. So let's dive in. Uh, we all know the story of Jonah. And it's a magnificent story. I'd encourage you to read it. It's just four short chapters. It's, it's very narrative, right? There's no big words to try to understand. It's an incredible book. It's an incredible account. Chapter two is Jonah's prayer. So Jonah, at this point in the story, God called him and he gave God a hard no and he ran. Right. And it took a very short period of time to realize Jonah's solution to that, the hard no and the run, was a really horrible idea. And he's on the boat, and he admits to the people on the boat, this storm has come upon us because I'm running from God. Long story short, he's cast in, and God provided a large fish to swallow him up. So here's the prayer. I'm going to read the whole prayer and just... Sit in this prayer as I read it. It's just an amazing prayer. Keep in mind, imagine praying this while inside the belly of a great fish, not knowing God's next move. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and your breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life from the, up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord." And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. He was in there for three days and three nights. We know that from chapter one. It's three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, after a near-death experience, probably wondering how prolonged this experience can be. I can't imagine the deals you would make in that time frame. God, if you will get me out of here, I will. 
you know. I mean, I need a stub toe for five minutes and I'm ready to make deals, right? There's just like, when we experience misery, it's like we get to this crazy deal space very quickly in a lot of different situations. And he finally comes to the point at the end of three days and three nights and says, okay, I will make good on my vow. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And he finds himself on a shore. We don't know if it was sandy or rocky. But guarantee one thing. He's just been in the belly of a fish for three days. I can't imagine there's anything left in his stomach about be vomiting constantly. And I can't imagine how it smelled in there. I can't imagine how he smells now. And I can't imagine how he looks now. I can't imagine the state that he's in. Different than he went in. Stinking like a fish. Came out with whatever else was in the stomach of that fish. But he knows one thing. Okay, God, my plan of no and run was a horrible plan. You've spit me out on this beach, and it changes everything, right? And in chapter two, God comes to him, or in chapter three at the beginning, and it's, it's amazing. He says, go to Nineveh and preach the message, that I, speak the message I'm gonna give to you. After three days and nights in the fish and he spit out and he's recovering on this, God comes to him again and says, go and speak the message. He doesn't even get the message yet. He doesn't even get the message yet. He gets it. Obviously, when he gets there and the message is doom and gloom, right? The message is God is gonna destroy your city if you don't repent. And we know the magnificent story of repentance that was brought and his subsequent reaction to it. But Jonah behaved his way into a horrible situation and he came to his holy, magnificent, loving God, said, you are, you are God, you are everything. You have saved me and I will proclaim your name. And he did. He reached that moment when it changed everything, when God was saying, you will be there. I will take you there. You will speak my message. And obviously, the way you're going to get there is different than the way you think. You think you're not going. I think you are. And it's going to be different. But when you're there, when you embrace my different, everything changes. Everything changes. Elijah was a magnificent prophet, a man of God. And he set incredible examples for us all through Scripture. I want to touch on one. So the setting here is this. Ahab is the king. He has a wife named Jezebel. We've all heard of Jezebel. And at this time, Jezebel is trying to instill the prophet Baal, or I mean the god Baal in, and for everyone to worship then, she's generating prophets for Baal, and she has this job, right? In her mind, she is going to extinguish and and, uh, kill all the prophets of God. And at this point, Elijah believes he's the last one. But God calls him to go back in front of Ahab. God's going back for his people. He's using Elijah to go back for his people. And this is the account where two altars are built and all the prophets of Baal can go to their altar and worship. Elijah has his altar and whichever one is lit up by fire is the God to worship. And everyone says, okay, sounds reasonable. And the prophets of Baal go about it all afternoon doing all the things they do, bloodletting, all this kind of grotesque worship, nothing. And in fact, Elijah stands there and mocks them throughout most of that process. This is all in 1 Kings 18. So it comes to Elijah's turn. Remember, pour water on it three times, douse this altar, make it wet, sopping wet. 
and he prays this prayer. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. There's a this changes moment for everybody involved in that one, if there ever was one. Can you imagine standing there and realizing, oh no, wrong God. I've been worshiping the wrong God. Fire's next for me. I mean, bracing yourself, you know. I've been worshiping the wrong God. And in his prayer, his dedication to the people of God and his dedication to God, he asked God for two things. One, would you authenticate me that I'm doing this because you asked me to? This is at your prompting that I'm doing this. And number two, would you let them know that it's you that are calling their hearts back. At points in our life, we're all gonna wind up on one side of this example or the other. There's times when God is gonna call us to be the person praying that prayer. And in those times, this example is so powerful. God, would you please authenticate me as what you are asking me to do, that it's coming from you. This is not me it's you. Would you please authenticate that this is you working through me? And would you please just make a magnificent change so that they know you? They know it's you. There is times in our life when we will be praying that in different circumstances in different, different times. And unfortunately for all of us, there's times in our life when we're on the receiving end of that. When our this changes moment ever is that I'm worshiping the wrong thing. I've got an idol in my life that shouldn't be there. And we can hope and pray that God works through his people to help us come to grips with that and that we'll hear it because there's times when we all need it. There's times when we need to pray it. There's times when we need it. Each case, each case, everything is different. I'm sure Elijah never thought, well, boy, you know, we could cook this thing up and put a couple altars and and big fire comes down from heaven and everybody's gonna think I'm cool and I have all this power from God. You know, that, that's the human approach to that. He, he had this humble approach. He wanted God at the forefront. He wanted God at the forefront, wanted the people to know it was God working. And in that moment, they could all embrace this change that he's gonna work in this magnificent way and do things very different than, than anyone ever thought it changed everything. The people are now on their face in front of him. If you read farther in that account, it did not go well for the prophets of Baal. They weren't around much longer. But God's people returned to him. Elisha was the prophet that succeeded Elijah. If there's one point when we read in the scriptures that I wished I could be there and see, this was it. So the setting here is that... Um, 
a king has been wanting to, the Syrians have been wanting to wipe out um, the Israelites. And so they keep forming these places, you know, set up and they're going to lure them in. And, and um, the problem is all the traps that were set or all the, all the plans they had were thwarted because Elijah or Elisha could hear the king, right? God gave him the ability to know exactly what the king was doing. So he would tell the armies of Israel that that was the case. And, and so the king's getting really upset and he's looking for the snitch in his organization. And finally, one of the people said, it's none of us, right? It's this guy, Elisha. He knows everything. He knows the words you are saying in your bedroom. That's the snitch. So the king goes to get him. And he goes out to this little town, sends the army out to the town where Elisha is. And so Elisha has a servant man who works with him. And here's this account in prayer in 2 Kings 6. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. I think there's something really beautiful about that prayer. Because here's Elisha the prophet, and this man serves him. He's his servant, right? And the human side of that is that, okay, I'm the prophet, you're the servant. And he says, Lord, what are we going to do to say, well, I know God hasn't given you the ability to see all this, but let me tell you what God has given me the ability to see. All surrounding us and in these hills are horses and chariots of fire sent by God. The army of heaven is here. No need to worry. I'm going to say an amazing prayer. Um, They're going to be blind. We're going to take them to a city. We're going to let the blindness come up, feed them, and send them home. How effective do you think that would have been for the man of God? I mean, through that, we would, he would have been saying, we would be saying, have you lost your mind? You're seeing horses and chariots everywhere. Uh, I'm supposed to believe that you have this magnificent gift that I, I, I can't see. There's just so many things wrought with that approach, but that's human nature, right? That's human nature. But Elisha and his calling from God and his humility to God and his servant nature to God gives us an incredible example. God, would you do it? Open his eyes. Just let him see. Just let him see. If ever there was the this changes everything moment in that guy's life, that had to be one of them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? The look in his face when you look around and all of a sudden this magnificent army you were scared of is like, God's armies all around And as they charge, Elisha throws out that next prayer to God to blind them, and the whole thing is just diffused. I don't think in a million years he would have thought that was the solution. There's a different one, right? Well, I'm thinking God might just bring armies and chariots of fire and strike them all blind. We'll take them into the city, we'll feed them, and then we'll send them home. (laughs) We would never come up with that. We wouldn't. God's ways are different, but we embrace When we embrace his different, everything changes. 
and we're in awe of him. We see him work. He does things only he can do. Jesus was the great example for us. Ken touched on Jesus' template of prayer for us last week. If you want to know Jesus' heart in, in John 17, just an incredible prayer from Jesus on our behalf. But the prayer I want to look at of Jesus is something that, for us, is something that it's a this changes everything moment for us. And I'll look at two of these that Jesus did. So when we look at Luke 23, 44, that's entitled The Death of Jesus. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. And his final act physically here, before he commits his life to God, he tears the curtain in the temple in two. This changes everything, right? I can't imagine what it'd be like. And here's a life group question. If you guys are actually meeting the life group today, what would it have been like to be on duty the, as a priest the day God ripped that curtain in half? <laughs> oh, no, right? Here's the context. That's the holy of holies. Once a year, the high priest goes in that to atone for everybody's sins. And there's a process for him to follow to be completely atoned for before he steps in because if he steps in with unatoned sin, has to be pulled out with a rope, right? I mean, it's serious. God is serious about this. So the priest gets all of his atonement completed through this really detailed process God sets out. And then he steps into the Holy of Holies to offer the sacrifices to atone for the people. That's the process, right? That's what Jesus is changing, that's just different. But when that thing gets ripped from top to bottom with no explanation, right? It's just done. Jesus makes this statement of this is now open. My death, my perfect sacrifice for you opens this. No longer is this high priest in an earthly person. This high priest is now me. Our high priest is Jesus Christ. He split that open and he says, come, bring it all. Bring it. That changes everything for us. And not only does he tell us to do that, he gives us the strength to. We know this well. In Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, being the disciples. Right? They're all together in one place, weak, scared, and not knowing what's going on. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And that, that's the launch of the church, right? Jesus completing his work. He said this statement when he was, you know, before he had died. It had to be one of the most confusing things he ever said to his disciples. Uh, it's, I'm gonna go. When I go, it's better for you that I go because <laughs> I'm gonna send my counselor back my Holy Spirit back. How could being with Jesus in person all day, every day, not be, be, be less than him sending his spirit, right? What could, how could you say something could be better than us being physically with you every day? 
And he's saying, it is gonna be better. I'm gonna pour out my spirit on you. Jesus went from his spirit being bound into his body to his spirit exploding once he was at the right hand of the Father to all of us. This magnificence. He says, my throne room is open. I ripped that curtain. Child, understand my love for you. There's no high priest on earth anymore. I'm your high priest. And I sent you my spirit to live in you, to make you a holy temple, to give you the power and the strength and the direction to come to me, to come into the holy of holies. The ability to have this close communion while we're still in our sinful state, while we're still stuck in earth and we're bound, our spirits are bound to this body. He not only rips the curtain and sets the new standard of his holy of holies being open and him now our high priest, he gives us his Holy Spirit here to have the strength to do everything he calls us to do in ways that we never would have guessed, the ways that can be painful, confusing, ununderstandable, many times of which I know we go through things and we say, God, I don't know why you did it that way. And I might not see that while I'm here on this earth, but I know one thing. It was your way, it was right. It was the best way. My way wasn't. And there's so many times when he lets us see how bad our ways could be. I love that we can't wear them out. We can't wear them out. And he's calling us all to himself. What changes everything for you and me is that the Holy of Holies is open and we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us when we accept him as our Lord. There's a seal in our heart. Can you imagine what it's gonna feel like when we stand before the throne with the arm of Jesus around us and he's saying, this one's mine. This one's mine. That means we stand there perfect and pure, no sin, totally justified, perfect, pure, and clean before the holy God, our holy Father, and our Lord saying, this one's mine. Seal in his heart by my Holy Spirit. This one's mine. He has an infinite love for you, for me. We can't comprehend. The links he went to to get us are far-reaching. It's nothing like we ever thought would happen. When Jesus came, you know what, the, what everyone thought, what his disciples thought? Our Savior's here. The Jewish people thought when the Savior comes, he's gonna overthrow the Roman government and become the king. That's what we thought, they thought Jesus was gonna do. That was their picture of how to solve the problem. Establish our earthly king, overthrow the Romans. And we know now, having the holy canon of scripture, we know the beginning and the end of that. We know what he did, and it was radically different. It was radically different than anything that any human construct could come up with. But we embrace that different, changes everything. It changes everything in our life. The Lord loves you. He loves me. If you walk away from here with one thing today, know that you are loved by a holy God and he's calling you into close communion and relationship with him. That's prayer. That's what Jesus modeled for us. Jesus took on human limitations. He showed us how by the power of the spirit within us, we carve out time, we get with him, we pray, and we bring it all 
We put it at the foot of the cross. We put it down, and it's a starting point. It's a starting point. We bring some crazy things there. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, you've got to have this level of prayer to come to me. He's saying, come to me. Curtains open, I'm the high priest. Come to me. Let's start. Every prayer is a starting point. And we can rest assured his way is going to be different than what we had thought of, concocted, planned, laid out, presented to him. It's different, really different. But when we embrace that in our life, he changes everything. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is so important for us. Because we're at a time, we're always at times in life when we have a lot we need to be bringing before him, right? There's hurts, there's pain, there's need, and we bring it, and we bring it, and we bring it, and he's there. In bringing that, he gives us peace. He gives us a peace that passes all understanding with, the, with this behind it, that it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We're at a time as a church right now, we need to be praying, we do. There's a lot of confusion. There's a host of, of, of emotions. Confusion, misunderstanding, anger, don't like it, wouldn't have done it that way. Um, the whole thing. God's calling us to bring that. Bring it. Bring it to me. If nothing more than to say, help, I don't like it, I don't like how things are going in my life. I don't like how things are in the church. I don't like whatever. But I do thank you. You're an amazing Lord. You have done so much in my life. We need to thank. We need to thank. We need to thank. We need to praise him and praise him and worship him. We need to bring it to him because he's saying, there's a starting point. I have something different for you. And when you embrace it, everything's gonna change. Everything. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you today, and Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you gave for us. We thank you that you were an amazing, holy, perfect, powerful God that chose to give up rights in heaven and descend and take on flesh and be a perfect sacrifice for us, set a perfect example, teach us how to pray to you. Lord, please never let us forget what a powerful element in our walk with you this is, that you want to be with us every day, that you want to be in communion with us, in contact with us, in communication with us every second of every minute of every hour of every day of our life. Don't let the the evil one take that from us, Lord. We need you. We need you so desperately. And Lord God, we pray that as we bring those things before you, we seek your peace. We seek that guarding our hearts and our minds. Ground us in you, ground us in your word. Take the us out of the equation and put you in that we can see you, we can see your magnificence, we can understand your way and that we emerge from that with just a, a new understanding of you, that we bow down low and that we worship you 
Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you never give up. Thank you, you never stop pursuing us. You keep showing yourself to us over and over and over. So Lord God, we worship you for that this day. And we sing this song of praise to you to thank you for all of those things that you have done. That work of saving us on the cross and rising again and sending us your spirit and promising us eternal life. Thank you, Lord God. You are an amazing, amazing pursuing Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.